At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinnerbaits, buzzbaits, and more from jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. Welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. On this podcast, we'll be talking about life and kayak fishing. Every week, we'll have a special guest, whether it's a tournament angler, a content creator, or just a regular guy or girl who just loves to go kayak fishing. So grab a cold beer, sit back, and enjoy the show. Bass Kayak and Beers is sponsored in part by Douglas Rod. Go to douglasoutdoors.com to check out their full lineup and locate your nearest authorized dealer. Yeah, Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track mounted accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bait Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. Welcome once again, guys and girls, to the Bass Guide and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. Once again, we, as always, have a great episode for you today. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Texas Kayak Fishing Championship in Lake Belton. Um, So for that, we have my special guest, Rolando Nandin, who actually just won that tournament that trailed over the weekend. So, Rolando, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking time. Yeah, thank you, Armando. Thanks for having me on, man. It's always a pleasure, you know, getting asked to be on these things. So I'm definitely grateful for uh, getting that opportunity. Oh, man, it's uh, it's our pleasure and our honor to have you here in, in Bass Kayak and Beers and on Paddle and Finn. Um, I've, you know, followed you for a while now since I started, in, started getting into tournament fishing here in Texas. And I know you have a reputation for being one of the best anglers out here in Texas. So it's nice to have met you. I met you on Lake Palestine on the TKC over there, we both struggled a lot. I think we both ended up with two fish that day, right? Yeah. I mean, that was a tough one. And, uh, yeah, yeah there's just not much you could say. Uh, I, I, I did go in blind to that one, but that weather just really put a, put a hurting on that. But, uh, they were there. It's just, you know, can't always, can't always figure it out, you know? <laughs> yeah. True that. All right. So Rolando, for those that don't, uh, don't know you, haven't heard from you, Tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do other than fishing? Um, and how do you got into kayak fishing and, com- and competitive kayak fishing? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I've, I've spent most of my life here. I was actually born in Mexico, and my parents have lived here in the States for a while. So <clears throat> I'm actually uh, uh, pretty much born and raised almost here in San Antonio. And I was fishing with, as a kid, I always used to go to uh, have family in Del Rio. So we would go over there and I'd fish at Lake Amistad as a kid with the family and uh, off the bank, we'd run the banks and things like that. Um, so I've been fishing for a long time. It's just, I never really got into it competitively. 
about four years ago now. Guy got into kayak fishing. I wanted to buy a boat, but in the meantime, I decided I had, I was like, let me try this kayak deal first before I jump into the boat scene. And I got hooked on it. And ever since, I never really looked back and I just didn't pull the trigger on a boat. And I've just been kayak fishing <clears throat> since I think 2017 is when I really got into it competing. <clears throat> and um, other than that, uh, you know, when I'm not fishing, I'm actually a, I'm a mortgage underwriter. So, you know, I work, uh, I work for different, I used to work, you know, been around different banks, but I pretty much, you know, underwrite loans, conventional loans, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans for people that are applying for loans. So that's what I've been doing for, I don't know, I guess since 2011. So that's what I do on my time when I'm not fishing. So Monday through Friday, I have an eight to five job. And then Saturdays, you know, that's when I find my time to get out there and, uh, and do some homework for the most part, because now. I don't really, I don't really fish recreational as much anymore because I, I love the competition and I love these trails. Yeah. And in order to stay, you know, in tip-top shape against these guys, you got to really, pretty much put the time in. So anytime that I'm like, I get a little fishing time, it's it's going to a lake that's coming up next on the tournament or something like that. So, but that's usually uh that's kind of my in a nutshell my life there. You know, r underwriting mortgages and then fishing on the weekends. And family time in between there too. So there you go. Yeah, that's in interesting that you mentioned that. Um, me myself just getting into kayak fishing like three years ago, um, and competitively, competitively, um, really this year. Last year I did a little bit of uh, Slay Nation, um, just a few, but now I've really like I dove more like headfirst into um, tournament fishing, and that's one of the things that I want to that that you mentioned. That's pretty interesting because it really is. One thing that you, I don't have time from recreation, I like I do have time for recreational fishing. I actually went to Elm Fork, uh, Tuny River hmm. the other day, oh, yesterday, and I finally got some like, okay, let me do some recreational fishing. And it's a, it's interesting because it's for you to be really good or at least competitively good at tournaments, you really do have to invest a lot of time pre-fishing yeah. and research and practicing because it, it really does. Like I see, I think a lot of people that are maybe getting into fishing that think they can do social media and competitive, you know, <laughs> professional kayak anglers. That's that's really hard to do. That's it why, is. Because it's one thing to put content out there and it's another thing to really grind it out and figure out, you know, spots and what's going to work and what's going to not do research. Yeah. It's not, which is not what like mainstream media wants to see really when it comes right. to YouTube and social media contents, you know? So it's, it really is a lot harder than people might think it is. I talked to friends who's like, Oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going to a kayak fishing tournament. And they're like, Oh, that's, you know, kind of like, you know, luck of the draw. If you catch, you know, <laughs> yeah. whoever I'm like, no, there's a lot of research, yeah, a, lot of yeah. research a lot of work you have to do. Yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah. I agree, man. It's the, the, it, 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 you know, when some people look at it on the outside and they'll tell me, they're like, man, you take the fun out of it, man. I was like, nah, you know, that's just the way I have fun is the competitiveness to me is just yeah. the fun. That's what really drives me to it. And it's fun. Uh, you know, there's a, you know, you got to keep a balance of things, right? You got to learn yeah. how to also have fun. Um, and not, you can be, you can be too overly competitive and then, you know, it gets to a point where you're, you're taking kind of the fun out of it. So yeah, there's a balance there, but, I, uh, yeah, man, I, it's all, it's all business pretty much for when it comes to fishing. Cause I don't have a lot of time during the week. So yeah. most of the time it's just, uh, weekends come and it's like, okay, I like this, you know, I know choke is coming up choke Canyon for, yeah. for one of the events. So I'm going to go to try to no. that one. And then there's a, t uh, the cats tournament is going over there. Oh, cats this tournament. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. yeah not the Southeast sticks. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Cats, cats is apologize. going. And then the following weekend is Lake Amistad with TKC. So yeah, yeah. You got, I mean, it's always something that's you got to be doing to prep it. You know, prepping for those for those lakes. So, and there's a lot of homework that actually uh, you have to do off the water, so that when you get on the water, the little bit of time that you do have to you have time to be on the water, it's as productive as, as it can be. You know, because you got to do that little research beforehand. So going, 
I know we're here to talk about Lake Belton, but now that you bring it up, um, your originally st old stomping grounds is Lake Amistad. You feel yeah. confidence going back there to Lake Amistad? Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I want to say yes, but uh, it's it, it's actually not that easy. It, it's a good lake. You can catch a lot of fish there. I've yeah. caught a lot of fish, um, but it's a lake that uh, I only I've fished it a lot off the bank, so. You know, if I go back and I go in the kayak, it's, I may be exploring different waters that I've never been to. Uh, but I'm I'm comfortable on clear water, um, and I feel confident going over there. It's just, um, you know, it's a big it's a big lake, and the water's so low that um, I, those lakes. You know, if you can find any little grass, it's gonna hold fish. You know. So it's uh, it, it, it's a pretty fair playing field for everybody. I think nobody really gets to fish it a lot. I don't fish it a lot anymore, nowhere near as I, you know, I, I did as a kid. So I doubt a lot of these guys that are going out there are really, you know, also uh, familiar with the lake. I'm sure everybody's at least been on it once, but it's, I don't really think I'm going to have like a competitive advantage or anything because they've been out there. Yeah, and I think – from what I've heard uh, from other people, the lake has changed a lot yeah. um, over the last few years. So, you know, like you said, it, I don't think anybody may – I mean, I don't know everybody that's going to be fishing there. So maybe some yeah. local guys are going to join in. Yeah. So they may have an advantage on it. Um, so that's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be pretty cool. Lake Amistad, you know, yeah. that's kind of like – a lot of people talk about Lake Fork and all that, but Lake Amistad is kind of like historic out there. It you is. Know? It is. It's a beautiful lake too, man. And so ho hopefully it, get, it got some water here, you know, with these rains that we got and maybe comes up a little bit. So that'll definitely help. But um, I'm excited about going over there. So it should be definitely. fun. Wish you the best out there. Um, so let's talk about Lake Belton. You won uh, Lake Belton. Um and you kind of came from behind there uh, yeah. towards the end. Uh, how, how did it – first of all, how did it feel to get that win in Lake Belton? I feel good, man. I mean, I'm really good friends with uh, a lot of those guys I talk to that are they're pretty much hammers. You know, I've, I've talked to, to – uh, to, uh, uh, I don't talk to Guillermo a lot. I, I know of him, but I've, I've seen him around. I say hi. I knew he was in there. I was kind of nervous about all those guys because they – they can fish pretty darn good. So I knew that I was like, you know what, if I could just get a decent bag and see if I can get in the money, I'll be happy. But Jeremiah, who took second, is a really good friend of mine that I talked to. And uh, we had just finished talking about it before saying, man, it'd be cool if we could take one and two. And I was like, yeah, man. And we ended, <laughs> we actually did. <laughs> um, I'm sure he preferred being one instead of two, but. Uh, I'm sure you know, anybody would, <laughs> right? <laughs> he'll take it. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's one of those events that, uh, I was just hoping to just get a, a limit because I heard it was really tough and been fishing tough. And then of course you hear some people obviously always get, get on them. Right. So, uh, fortunate for me that day, it actually planned out kind of, you know, midday and I, I started getting a little, I started finding a group of fish. So that worked out, but, so um, you went Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm no, go ahead. Yeah. Ask me the question. It'll be easier for me to. <laughs> it was, uh, we were talking on the pre, uh, pre-recording. You never, or you didn't get to pre-fish this tournament. So no. how did you pick the, did you did research? Like, you know, so the, school match yeah, like that? yeah. I usually what I do is I pull up Google earth, um, you know, and I draw the lake down a little bit to try to see stuff. I I already had done that previously on this lake before four years ago when I fished the Texas Throwdown. Um, and I think it was in 2000, I don't know if it was 17 or 18 or somewhere there. And I ended up in, I think it was sixth place or something uh, out of a hundred and something. And that area called my attention. Um, a couple reasons. Um, a little bit of the research that I found online uh, stated that that area was a very productive area all year round it was it was good with you know hell fish pretty much all year round there's good bluff walls and there's two big coves on either side 
Um, and there's some good timber there. So, and anytime there's boulders and big rocks like that, I usually, I like stuff like that because it could always, it always holds good fish. So I figured, I was like, you know, why not? I've already done the only research I've ever done on this lake before was four years ago. I started looking again. I knew there was going to be a a good amount of boats because of TTZ. So I just said, I decided, I was like, man, I'm not going to have, I already know the area that I've fished before four years ago. Um, there's no, you know, there's no point in me trying to go and investigate and find other areas. So I'll just go back to the area because I know it holds fish. And uh, and there's just there's there's good, uh, there's a lot of stuff in the water that actually uh, that you can fish. The timber, the drop offs, the boulders. Um, you can go to the back. There are secondary points on there that I could fish. And I knew I was like, well, you know, find out to see where the lake is at as far as the spawn. And uh, I usually don't target spawn fish, spawning fish. I'll, I'll target the pre or, or the post spawn. <clears throat> and uh, that area kind of allowed me to do all of that. So I just went, re- I went straight back to it. And uh, being that it's clear water and I, I love fishing the jerk bait, um, that, w- that was one of the key players, key playing lures for me that day. So, the yeah. Jerk bait? How- yep. The jerk bait is really something I've always liked to throw. And uh, that played a big role, and so did so did the cranking. Basically, I, I just threw two rods all day. I mean, I carry sixteen rods on my kayak. Are you kidding? Sixteen yeah. rods. Sixteen. Wow. Well, okay. Yeah. Now, obviously, I have to ask you, what <laughs> kayak do you use? I use a pro pro angler, a Hobie uh, oh, yeah. fourteen footer. So you know, the crate holds ten, and then you got these uh, rod tubes on the side that hold yeah. three in each side. So. I, I pack it to the net. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. What was that? I say it holds more than that. because That's the one I have. And I put like two, two on yep. each one. Yep. Yeah, so. yeah. You can do more if you wanted to, but man, that's, I'm already, it, it gets to a point where like 16 is, it, it might be a little too much, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm all about, I don't like to retie. And so I know, of the belt and i actually did break off a, a fish a good one in the morning and i had to retie to another jerk bait because uh, that's what i lost it on and, but you know whenever it's on i usually for the most part of those 16 rods i only usually touch about four to six of them uh unless i'm like unless the wheels are falling off and i'm just grabbing everything and throwing everything to see what the see what, what's biting but for the most part usually it's only four to six rods that maybe i'll touch Belton, honestly, I think I. So, um, it was uh, just the jerk bait and, and the medium side and the medium crankbait rod. So, that's all I threw all day. That's it. And uh, people were fishing around with me, around me using the jerk bait. Um, and for some reason, they weren't catching. But I, I, I personally thought that maybe it was, uh, you know. The de- they were fishing a little bit closer to the bank versus me. I was actually off the bank. So everybody was kind of running through there, beating the bank, beating the bank. Um, and I, I tended to, I, I found them about 10, about 10 to 15 feet off uh, where it was getting a little bit deeper. And I was throwing a deep diving jerk bait. I couldn't really see if a lot of people were throwing that. But the one I was throwing was, uh, it gets about down to 10 to 12 feet of water. But I also, um, well, I'll share a little secret. I, I like mine to sink. I like my jerk baits to sink and not suspend. Um, and I use that towards my advantage to get into deeper water with them. What do you, how so, do you make them sink? Like you put like a little, you can either, shot in you can either do, there's several ways you can do it, right? You can obviously, uh, uh, up your your hooks and the and the rings on it so it's a sink or they even sell like the little the suspense dots that you can put underneath them that yeah. stick um and and it, and it works man and uh, you know you can do it those multiple ways and that's what i usually do whenever i'm trying to fish a deeper water because jerk baits only really get down to about i don't know i think it's like 12 feet that you can usually get them to yeah. so um which is which is pretty deep but Sometimes if I like to get deeper, I, I, I try to. 
What now? What were you catching on the jerk? Because I've heard you got a couple of nice uh, smallmouth bass. No, actually, I didn't catch any smallmouth bass. Oh, okay. I got oh, that they're, they're, yeah, they were all largemouth, and um, I caught those on probably about fifteen feet of water, fifteen to sixteen feet of water, and most of those were targeted because um, it's so clear that water where I was fishing was pretty clear. I could see sometimes. Once a uh, once the sun came out a little bit, you could see some activity in that six to seven range, and uh, and of course I have live scope, so the live scope actually did assist me that day quite a bit actually to to be able to target that deeper water and, and those fish with the jerk bait. Um, you know, a lot of people have seen it already on on Bassmasters Elite with Patrick Walters and all those guys, but um, you know. It's not easy to do, and a lot of people think that, that that forward sonar is, like, it'll help you catch a lot more fish. Um, and it can, but it, it takes a lot to actually get it down. And uh, and you, you waste a lot of time when you don't – when you first get it. <laughs> yeah. So it's not that useful right off the bat. definitely have to spend a lot of time with that tool, and you have to discipline yourself not to use it sometimes because there's times where I just turn it off. And I'm just, you know, there's times where you can beat the bank and you need to beat the bank because that's where they're at. And then there's times where you got to pull off that bank and fish a little bit deeper, slower. And and that's where it can play a big role. And, yeah, it does catch you one or two key fish um, that can that you'll need you know, in order to win tournaments. So, you know, that's that's definitely assisted me in that. But it did take me a while to really dial that in. It, I, and I, I'd say it took me about a year and a half to almost even two years to really, really get that thing down to where I don't mess with it too much. I know when I want it on and I know when I want it off and, um, and I have it dialed in. And the only reason it took me so long is because I got that technology when it kind of first came out. So you don't, I didn't have all those YouTube videos like you see now. Yeah. So it took me a little bit longer to get used to it. And it actually made things worse for me when I first got it. I wasn't catching that many fish and it was just, I was paying too much attention to it. So, yeah. Um, but a lot of it uh, in the morning I got, I started throwing, you know, i started with top water, didn't really get a whole lot, anything going with that. And then I threw a crankbait, didn't get anything going with that. Finally, the jerkbait is when I caught, I lost a 20 inch fish in the morning uh, over some suspended trees and, uh, I, guess, um, I loosened the drag too much and she pulled me right into the trees and I didn't, it was a mistake I made and I couldn't get her out anymore. So she busted off early in the morning, but I did get to see her and that was an easily 20, 21 inch fish. And I was like, man, that's big bass already gone early in the morning. It was around eight and about nine o'clock. I think when I hooked into that, so I was pretty devastated, you know, cause it's hard to come by those 20 inch fish there. So, but yeah, I just continued the day with that. And then I went into some flats out in the back of the coves and that's where my crankbait did a lot of the work. Um, I started, I started using the crankbait in that, uh, 10 feet of water. Um, and the same thing with the crankbait as I do with the jerk baits. Um, I usually try to get them a little bit deeper than I can. So I use, you know, 10 pound test line as opposed to 12, um, that also helps a lot getting that, that lure down more. And, uh, it got it, you know, make those long casts keeps that lure in the long and that strike zone longer. Cause I've noticed in clear water, they tend to chase, they tend to stay behind the lure longer. So the, so if you don't get a, a very long cast in clear water, um, you, you could be bringing them to the boat too soon and then you're coming up and they turn around and don't make, don't actually take the strike at it. So I was making some very long casts and, and reeling that in, reeling it in. And, and, uh, I noticed that that, that was helping for sure. Cause there's times where you could actually see on the live scope where they're following that lure for a good, you know, 40 feet before wow. they even decide to actually bite it. So, Usually, like I said, that's more that happens more in clear water because they're they're able to see things a lot better. So they're kind of trying to make sure that's real or not. You know, 
you don't really get that too much on stained water or dirty water, of course, you know, because they're just reacting to it more than anything else when it passes by them. But uh, I caught, I think I caught a 20 inch fish right in front of another boat that was, had just fished the area and they were, they were fishing with, uh, looked like Texas rigs. And I passed, I went around them and they were fishing a stump that was underwater. It was a tree stump and I went around them and, uh, and I hooked into a 20 inch fish right where they were fishing at, which, um, you know, those type of conditions those days that, you know, you know, that I pay attention to that because sometimes, you know, you read all this information and it tells you cloudy days, you want to throw reaction baits, you want to do this. And sometimes your days don't go like the way the textbook tells you, right? So yeah, I always pay attention to see if people are fishing slow around me and if they're catching them. Uh, that was one of those days too, too slow. Uh, you kind of wanted to cover water and, um, and that proved it because those guys were fishing slow through there. They still weren't, they still didn't get that bite. I went through there, threw the jerk bait in there, caught that 20 inch fish. And the guy's just looking at me like, dude, I just fished that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's it. Yeah. That, that's always heartbreaking. So somebody catch a, a, yep. a mass right where you were. <laughs> yep. Yep. But uh, that's the way it goes, man. And I always, keeping, you know, your eyes peeled, seeing what other people are doing. I, I pay attention to anybody, um, whether they're new on the water or not. Uh, there's always information that gets that that's available to you there sometimes. And if you're paying attention, you can capitalize on that stuff sometimes. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, that's a good point. Kind of be self-aware of what's what's going on in your surroundings yeah. and all that. So your your plan A was kind of like beat the bank, and then plan B was to move further down with uh, further deep with with the jerkbait and the crankbait, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. How? Yep. I, I, your five fish did they all came on either jerkbait or crankbait? Um, all my five keepers were on the jerkbait and the crankbait. Yep, I caught other fish <clears throat> on a. Caught one on a drop shot, which I thought the drop shot was going to be more effective, and it wasn't for me at least. And I caught on a drop shot, and what else did I catch on? I think it's shaky head, and that was it. And then, and then predominantly everything else just came off of two two lures, which was my jerk bait. And it was, I think your winning number was what 90, 90 and three quarters. Ninety one. Uh, 91 inches. Yep. 91 inches. Yep. So, so it wasn't like a big, yeah, it doesn't, we didn't see those big numbers. We saw we first saw on the TKC where I think it's like what, a hundred, a hundred. Yeah. hundred and four was it something like that? Yeah. I heard that that day, uh, you know, TTZ was on the water. Um, I'm not sure how accurate this information is, but you know, the guys were talking there on the, on the, on the ramp saying that TTZ, I think, took it first place with like 16 pounds. Really? Um, yeah, which was which is low. Yeah, really so, low. <laughs> yeah. So For Texas. I don't, yeah, I don't know how accurate that is because I didn't really look up the information. But if that if that is truly accurate, I mean, that just shows you it was kind of a tough day, really, because I didn't. I mean, the lake is also known to fish tough sometimes, especially clear lakes like that, you know, they're not very easy to fish, but the conditions were good for it because anytime you get cloudy days and, and a little bit of wind like that on a, on a, on a clear lake, you know, that's helping us, right. It's, it's uh, clouding up that visibility for the fish. So it gives us a better chance. Yeah. Especially in the clear water. Now yeah. you mentioned you were fishing closer to the dam, right? Like more South of the, of the I lake. Was fishing right actually in the middle there's a there's rogers park it's called oh yeah so it's like it's right in the middle uh so you know how you have the main lake 
And then you yeah. have that, the mouth, the river, where it starts to go into that winding area. I was yeah. right in that, in that middle cove uh, where once you start transitioning out of the main lake into those river sections, it's the first area that makes the bend to the right where it starts to wind. So <clears throat> it's kind of that midsection of the river, what they call it, you know. And uh, that's where I, tar I, I stayed in those two coves. I went back and forth and, um, you know, having the trolling motor now, my Torquedo helps a lot with covering water. So that definitely assisted me as well. So that definitely helps, uh, you know, you can vacate an area quickly now where, uh, when it's not, when it's not good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause I, I kind of had the different scenario. I don't have a motor. So to me it was like, I was having, I had a few miss hooks set that I don't think I would have gotten the money. I, I would have gotten kind of around where Matt, Matt Scotch was kind of somewhere in the mid seventies, low eighties. If I were to land, yeah, if I was able to land all the miss hooks that I got, I think I would have gone there. But it was, it was, it's one of those things where I was at that spot. I was getting the bites that just weren't lined them. So I was like, yeah, I really want to go and leave. I don't have a motor. Do I really want to go and leave to find another spot? Do I want to stay? You know, trying to figure funny, it out. It's funny you say that because you you say like you were getting the strike. I was getting bit too, and I couldn't too. And uh, and I was like, man, what's going on? Like I'm seeing them, and and they're not they're not committing, or I don't know what's going on. And I could see, and then so that in the morning when I was that's happening, I said, let me put my live scope down and see what's going on around. And there was a couple of times where I could actually see them come up to my lure like a freight train. It looked like they were about to hit it. Yeah. And then they they wouldn't. Or or they would bump it. And I was like, man. So I that that tool, the live scope helped me determine like I gotta do a bait change. Either see if I see if there's something else that when they get closer, they'll be more predominant to striking it. And so I went through a few changes um, in colors that I did uh, on the jerkbait. And I found uh, one that actually worked pretty good. And I was like, okay, you know what? I caught one on this and I was getting more strikes on it. The one that was really good that I really was, that I had, I mean, I spent time looking for it online because I, I fish mega bass a lot. The mega bass. Uh, oh, the best jerkbaits. Yeah. I fish those and I, without a doubt, man, I love those things. And sometimes yeah. those, the smaller ones that are out these days that uh, what they call the juniors, yeah. they're kind of, they're hard to come by. So I had already gotten one and I finally got, I, I had it. I was excited about using it. And sure enough, man, that, that was the deal. But that fish, that 20 inch fish in the morning, I already had caught some binks on it, but that 20 inch fish in the morning, uh, had me lose it and i lost it and so i had that was the only one i had because they're short in supply so they're hard to come by yeah and they're not uh, cheap either <laughs> they're not cheap either and uh <clears throat> but i ended up just putting on another one and and i could tell the difference like you really i really had to work harder at getting them to bite it and when it when the water's that clear and you, you it to me it's important to have a lure um, in those situations where it is very clear, where a little more detail on those lures um, is good. And it's, and for me, it's all about being silent lures. For me, the yeah. silent lures in clear water are much better. Um, and that's what I fished on my crankbait. I fished a balsa um, crankbait, no rattles, no nothing. Um, and I felt like that was a little bit more of a natural presentation to them. I just had to make sure that I put it there in front of them. That, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, um, my story is kind of heartbreaking. And again, we're here to talk about you, not talk about my day. But <laughs> I talked to um, a couple of boaters that were on the TCC as well. Mm -hmm. And I share what my experience and they were telling me the same thing. I've heard a few people say the same thing. There, there was a lot of people just mix, miss, hook sets. I think, I don't know what it was in my, I think my experience, I had one um, where would, that was the most heartbreaking one. Cause I think that would have been the biggest fish for me. I don't know. Well, I don't know what was it. You got the big bass of the day, right? What was yeah, it? 21 inch? 20, 20 and a half. 
20 or so. I think I would have gotten close to what you yeah. judging because I had it jump up. But <sighs> the story with this one was I didn't get to prefish. So I do a lot of Google Earth, which uh, mm-hmm. giving away probably too much information. I had Bailey Eichbred on my podcast last week. And he, after the show, we were talking about Google Earth. And I was like, man, I, I keep hearing about people moving their waypoints from Google Earth to, the, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Like I've seen, like I do Google Earth to say, you know, things, but yep, I never yep. knew you could do that. So about two days before the guy from Fish the Moment, uh, yep. the YouTube guy posted that video, how to do it, Bailey Agbar was showing me. So I spent two days prior to the tournament just going to Google Earth and Lake Belton, and I found the spot. I mean, I covered Lake Belton with like 200 waypoints, <laughs> and I finally decided this area and was Owl Creek, uh uh, boat ramp by Owl Creek has the most waypoints, so I'm gonna stick to that area. And sure enough, I found a juicy mm-hmm. spot. It was like like a half moon of just big boulders, and in between wow. yeah. timber. Yeah, and, I mean that's all. And it was that's... a big. It was like goes from six inches of water or two inches of water, drops down immediately to four or five feet of water, and then it was juiciest spot everybody was hitting that spot i fortunately got there before everybody else i didn't want to leave it but anyways making this story way too long i caught what (laughs) i think is it was uh a bass guarding the fray because i noticed a lot of like i thought it was bait fish but when it got uh brighter the sun started coming out it's like oh those are fray fish so i started skipping senkos all the way down the below the 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 water level is a little high so uh, below the brush so immediately i get hit and i thought i got snagged because it was so shallow and i didn't feel the fish come up that i didn't set the hook right the hook set right uh, yeah and yeah. i was like ah oh, miss hook set so i throw it again thinking he's not gonna bite it he or she's not gonna bite it whatever and fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home it's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Again, hit it immediately. Tried to make a better hook. So it kind of caught me on guard again. Um, I didn't think it was going to hit it again. Yeah. Or if it did, it was going to be, you know, wait a little bit more. Not exactly when it landed on the water. And then third time, this is a third cast in a row. I skip it again, and he hit it, and I just laid down the hammer. I mean, I did the hook set of my life. I just <laughs> – it was a Senko on a spinning rod, you know, on a – um, medium. You got, the, you got the drag going at the same time. <laughs> um, I tightened the drag a little bit and I just, I mean, I swung for the fences. And as soon as I did, that bass came up, jumped right in front of the kayak and it was big. I was like, okay, this, this as soon as bass. I saw it, this is, this could be big bass. And it immediately uh, spitted it out. And I had, that was three casts. After the third cast, after I, you know, I, Swung for the fences. He was not biting. I kept throwing and throwing and throwing. He was like, nah, I'm not biting that. Well, you know, this time I ain't biting it. <laughs> yeah, no. And the same thing happened to me. Uh, I actually, the big bass that I caught um, was uh, exactly protecting fry. I, yeah. I actually, it was right next to a, uh, what looked like a little bush in the water. And uh, I could see a cloud of fish. And I was like, I didn't know. At first I I didn't know if it was a bass or not. And then I saw it and I'm like, no, that's gotta be a bass because there's this cloud of fish and I could see it. And I, I must've cast at it like 15 times, man. And I, with the jerk bait, I casted it with, I cast with the jerk bait. That was a pearl white jerk bait cast. And it would follow it. It would follow it all the way. Never commit. Don't cast, follow it, follow it. I cut that thing off. I put another color on there. And I go through there and I'm trying to get the jerk bait to make sure it goes through the little fish that I'm seeing because I want it to think that I, that that fish is eating those little fry. So I threw in there and, uh, the thing was, it was kind of difficult because I, 
you're fishing jerk bait around timber and it sucks because the minute you if you hook if you hook into that tree or limb there like you blow up the spot you got to go right up on it right so i would cast to the side and then i would float over to the right of it and then jerk the bait the jerk bait jerk it down all the way to the base of it where they were at and i would jerk it right through there and make it pass through the little cloud of fish that i was seeing and it it would it would get aggressive and i could tell every single time that i would go through there it would get more aggressive and more aggressive and more aggressive and i just like i i was like it was like almost fishing a fish on a bedfish and finally on one of those i cast out there i get it i get it i get it and then it it snapped at it and got the that little junior mega bass jerk bait it swallowed it all man and i got that sucker and as soon as i saw it coming out of the water i was like that's another big one i was like just make sure you land it now you know and uh but i didn't make the mistake that i did the first time which was i hooked into one big like that and i was afraid to pull the hooks out that i backed off on the drag on the first one and it pulled me straight into the trees and sure enough this one was already trying to do that so i said I have a better chance. I'd rather pull the hooks out of it than it than I have to go through that again. So I ended up pulling hard on her, turning her around to get away from the trees, and I and I got her in. I, and I it was nice because I had one of the boats. That's one of the boats was was watching me, and that was I think that was the first because yeah, that was the first twenty inch fish, which was my first where I was like, okay, maybe this will hold for big bass. But then I caught that twenty and a half, which topped it. So. Yeah, so it's, it, it. I saw a lot, and I saw somebody posted a picture of a, a, a big bass that was kind of like the tail bleeding. So it was talking about that was how Jeremiah. Many people, so, Jeremiah. Yep. So yeah, yep. how many people caught nesting bass? So the area where I was, I just saw a lot of nesting bass, and I thought about going, like you said, going. I was on the flats, close to the flats, but it was so shock full of sand bass. <laughs> That I was like, there's oh. no way I'm going to be able to throw a moving bait out here yeah. and have something other than that. Because sand bass were just blowing the whole day. Sand bass were just blowing up blowing the whole up. area. <laughs> yeah. I threw, I figured, okay, if I want to avoid, I was talking to, I forgot his name. He was fishing around that spot too. And he's telling me, man, if this would have been a sand bass tournament, I probably would have ended up <laughs> at the top. <laughs> And yep. I had a few bites like that, so I decided to big uh, throw a big swim bait. Not mm -hmm. a, it wasn't a big big swim bait. It was more like a, like a like five a inch, inch swim bait, five inch, yeah, yeah. five inch swim bait, um, kind of like uh, um, shiner, a uh, big shiner. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, you know, that'll at least keep the sand bass away. First cast, not the first cast, the third cast. Huge sand bass came up and just <laughs> I thought I was like, finally, I got a big one. Yeah. I, saw, yeah. I was like, oh man, I can't get away from this sand bass. <laughs> yeah. So it was yeah. like it's moving now, away. When you, I think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you get around those those man, and then uh you it's hard to keep them off. Yeah. It's hard to keep them off. Um luckily where I was at, I, I didn't really get a whole lot of them. And that's why I usually try to stay away from like um, main lake areas sometimes that happens you get around them you know because yeah. they tend to, to come around but um but yeah I, i'm like you man I, I don't like uh i'll start throwing a little bit bigger baits or something like that if i'm forced to fish around them yeah because they would everybody that i took at least the area like owl creek oh uh, there was a bunch of guys fishing out of owl creek where is no that boats, is actually that, is that further up the river yeah, um, I'm not that familiar with the river. It's the first time I go to Lake Belton. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I think the, the name is not, it's uh, Leon River, right? I uh, think the, and yeah. then the lake is Lake Belton, right? Yeah, yeah. I so, think you're yeah, right, Owl, yeah. Owl Creek is about a few, like a couple of bends from the, you know, from the, the main lake, from the main lake, from the dam, do a yep. couple of bends, and then that's on the, west side and i i went like i said i didn't preface so i went a lot with the fishing report we had which had come out like like a week before uh the tournaments so i figured that was the latest one so like well it's not exactly you know on yeah. point you know as far as you know it's just, it comes the day before the tournament it's actually a week old but it, it kept saying 
the best way bass is get bass is up you know hugging the 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 bluff walls hugging the 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 shoreline and up owl creek and that's what i did and i did catch one on owl creek mm-hmm. um, that was a funny one too because i was looking for bass looking for bass and i couldn't find it it was like 15 minutes prior to the tournament ending and i finally see this bass up shallow just chasing bait fish and i throw that um that willow z's i want to call it by z-man that little um seaman uh, jig head with a willow kind of like a chatterbait but the uh, bait, the the blade is kind of like a willow. I forgot the name of it. It's just an eye, the hook, and the blade. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have a skirt, right? No, it doesn't have a skirt. A lot yeah. of vibration on it. So yeah. I threw one, and I actually wasn't the perfect cast, but I was able to really close. And as soon as he either felt the vibration, or heard it, I mean, he smacked that thing like it was, there was <laughs> no tomorrow. Yeah. So that was that was cool. So fishing report kind of when with what like my my fishing experience would on um in line with what the fishing report said but mm. a lot like i said a lot of mistakes and i think for me it was just a lot of just fish protecting the frame not really committing to to eating the bait think i lost you there rolando are you good there You still there, Rolando? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm here. It just had a awesome. small connection, I guess. Deal. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so going back to to your setup, you, you mentioned you like the 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 you went on this tournament. You went with the really deep diving um, jerk bait. Jerk bait. Uh, mm-hmm. You already may, mentioned the mega bass. I'm assuming mega bass one ten plus one or plus two. Yep. I, ha- I carried all of them, and uh, but most of my damage was done with the plus plus one, plus one. Cool. Yep. And um, but most, uh, but it was the junior one. The junior one is the one that's the smaller one. It still has three hooks on it, um, but you know, part of my research, and as a matter of fact, I had talked to a friend of mine, Adam Eslick, and uh, he uh, he mentioned um, that kind of kind of reminded me and drew me to saying you know what maybe i should downsize my lures was there's not a lot of big gizzard shad or a lot of big mm-hmm. bait in that in that lake so uh so i was like you know what i'm gonna i had the 110 the regular size tied on i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the plus one but the junior size and uh i i think that made a difference for sure Definitely. And then you mentioned you like long cast on crankbait, especially on clear water. Yeah. What setup do you use to give you the most out of your cast on the crankbait? Well, I, you know, when I throw the the small and medium sized crankbaits, I have it on a on a Daiwa Elite seven. I think this is a seven six seven six. It's a glass rod, and. Um, it's a 10 pound test line fluorocarbon. I use Invisix and, uh, and I, and I can get that one a long ways for me. It's important to have that long rod cause that's what lets you whip it out there, you know? Yeah. Um, and that lighter line really lets it get down pretty quick on the strike zone. Cause I used to crank with 12 pound test line a lot and I just recently changed to, to 10. And I think that makes, you know, that helps. There's, there's times to use 12 where you don't want to use 10 of course, but Clear lakes, gotta anything you're doing for me, it's gotta be long, long cast and long rods assist with that, and um, and also silent baits, which is what I try to go with. You know, the the one tans they have that weight transfer system, so they do have a little bit of a rattle in them. It's, yeah. it's not a, it's not really like really loud, uh, but my crankbaits um, and those clear lakes, I'm just you know. I try to go with the balsa ones, the wooden ones, you know. Yeah, and uh, real. What real do you use? Uh, I have a mixture of Shimano, Corrados, K's, and and I have some Mentaniums. Um, but for the cranking specifically, I have a Shimano Corrado K. Actually, it's kind of a big reel. It's two hundred. It's a two hundred size. 
10 pound test line on a seven, I think it's a seven, six, uh, glass rod. And then my, my jerk bait rod, that one is super light. I have a custom rod that was built by J rod custom rods and repairs. Uh, it's basically a, it's a North fork blank. Um, I guess what's equivalent to it is, uh, like a G Loomis GLX. I think that's what it basically comes down to on that one, specific one. And I have a Shimano, um, man, not a Mentanium. Uh, it's the lot, it's the, the Shimano. It's their lighter reel. Gosh, I can't remember what it's called. It's pretty pricey. If I remember correctly, it's super light. It only weighs, I mean, it's one of the lightest reels out there on the market. Uh, that combo for my jerkbait, that has to be paperweight because once I get going with that jerkbait rod, if it's on, man, it tires your arm out a lot and I'll fish yeah. it all day. And that is a, you know, 610, uh, 6.9 uh, medium. And I think it's a medium fast tip, I think it is. Uh, but it's, I mean, it all, you, the whole setup is like, it doesn't weigh anything. That's and cool. I think, and that, uh, to me, that's really important because, um, if you don't, if you put too much arm into it, you could be over overworking the lure and you tend yeah. to do that because your arm gets your risk, your arm gets tired when yeah. you're doing a jerk bait. And so when you're doing in these tournaments, I find myself that when you're getting fatigued, you start, you start imposing the wrong action on things. So I you finally start using found, your shoulder more than your wrist. Yeah, your wrist. And sometimes you have to slow it down, be a little, because I noticed that with those mega bass jerk baits, man, they dart pretty good. Doesn't take very much of a tap of that, of that line and that pull to get that jerk bait to do what it needs to do. So there's times where, you know, there's times where you need to really do it and get them to react. And then there's times where you just, you got to find that right cadence. Um, with those light setups like that, you have full control of that because it eliminates the fatigueness that kicks in throughout the day with those heavier setups. That's interesting. And then mm -hmm. it's like you said, it's of all, I think, I mean, every, every technique, technique has this kind of like specific rod and reel selection that's mm -hmm. going to work best. But Jerkbait, because of, like you said, that all that constant dynamic of movement and movement, you know, it wears you out more than anything, probably. Mm -hmm. more, than any, more, than, more than any other bait out there. So having, like, that's, if there's one setup that you really, I'm not saying that you have to invest a lot of money in it, but if you if you have money to invest on a nice setup. Yeah, be gonna, wise and, to do it. And, and, yeah, be wise to do it on Jerkbait if you're one of the love throwing jerk baits i think that's that's one of other than the texas rig i think that's one of my my favorite baits when mm -hmm. i started my fishing it was just texas rig and jerk baits um and it's it is it's one of those dynamics where you just like you know i mean if you have a rod and a reel that's heavy you know it's gonna wear out on you man yeah it's gonna wear yeah. you a lot yep yeah yeah and there'll be times where you're just like man i just want to throw something else because you're all i mean i've gotten when I first started doing it, I was throwing it on a, on a medium. Uh, I remember back in the day, I used to throw it on a medium heavy uh, rod, and it was just it wasn't light. It was actually a pretty, you know, considered considerably heavier than what I have set up now. And I think there for like I went for four months where I had such a bad arm pump on my left arm because I would fish the jerk bait so much, but that rod. Um, you know, until I fig figured it out, I was like, man, you know, it's, I'm using too much arm into it. And it was, it was actually hurting my arm. And, uh, I was like, man, I need to find something lighter. I went through a couple of rods before I actually figured out before I got this one that they, that my, my friend of mine made for me. And, uh, and now it's just, it's perfect, man, because I, I can, I can literally throw it all day and, um, You'll feel it a little bit, but nowhere near like I used to before. <laughs> it's a good insight too on going back uh, full circle with uh, with what you're mentioning about the um, um, I forgot the live scope. Are you using the Garmin or the 
the garments. Know there's live garments, so that's live scope. Mm -hmm. If I'm not, yep. that's correct, right? Live scope, it's the yep. garment, and yep. the HDA's live is um, anyway. Live target. So, yeah. So live target, correct? Mm -hmm. So the live scope, it's it's a good point because I I remember I think uh, on Kayak Bass Nation they were in their podcast they were talking about. Um, that Hobie BOS event in Oklahoma, I think it was Broken Bow. One of the guys, I think, came third, was using that live scope for like 30 feet of water. Like it was like 60 <laughs> feet deep, and but fishing at treetops around 30, 40 feet deep. And obviously, I mean, it's hard to do if you don't have a live scope. But the point was uh, mm -hmm. that Ryan was mentioning, it's like just because you have that doesn't mean – and this word of warning for those that want to invest on a live scope. Just because you have that, it's not automatically going to turn to success. Maybe it will. Maybe you're one of those special talents <laughs> that all you need is a live scope to get you to the, you know, to the next level. But yeah. for most of us, if you're going to get into a live scope, it's going to take it's going to take time. Like you said, for you, yeah. it was what a year and a half, two years to yeah. kind of really dial it in. Yeah, so it was, it was about. A, yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, it's definitely for someone that gets it now. It's definitely going to be a, a a shorter learning curve for them because you can you have so much so much information on it now. When I first my my wife actually surprised me for it when it first came out for Christmas, and um, she bought oh, it for me. I, yeah, she bought it for no, me. She bought it for me, and I was like, hey, what's this? And she's like, yeah, I saw it. They said it was a really awesome thing for your fishing. And I was like – and I remember looking at it, and then I started reading the box, and I was like, holy crap, it's like an underwater camera. I was like, is this going to be even legal? And then, you know, and uh, I was excited about trying it. I went out with it, and I, I literally was fishing, was not catching more fish. And I'm like, man, what's going on? Like, it, it's super exciting, though. Because when you first get it and you see it and what's going on, you're automatically intrigued and you automatically think like, oh, there's there's no way. Like, I'm on 100% guaranteed I'm going to catch more fish now. And it didn't go that way for me. Um, and then I started realizing that I wasn't even fishing anymore. Half my day was spent looking at the screen, yeah. following things, trying to catch them. And if I could sit and take myself away from that and watch myself. I dude, I would say about my time with the line in the water was reduced by at least 30 to 40% less time. And that my line was in the water because I was looking to get, like I was trying to fish for everything that I saw on the screen at the time um, where when someone doesn't have that, you're focused on, you using your eyes and looking at the what's going on around you. And there was plenty of times that, I mean, that I went out and I started doing tournaments with it where I was, I wasn't winning. I wasn't doing anything with it. I mean, all it was doing, it was just taking my time looking at it. So, you know, the thing I can tell people is when they first get it, don't automatically think it's going to get you a lot of fish right away because you have to learn how to incorporate that, incorporate that into your style of fishing yeah. because it's going to take away from you having a line in the water, which is mm -hmm. the key importance of that's how you, you get your, you know, a strike, you know? Yeah. So, and, and uh, I think it makes you more depending on technology and takes away your fishing instincts that you're cultivating Yeah, mm -hmm. as you try to get better. I remember the first time I got my fish finder, I had, uh, I bought my Ascent 12T from Bass Pro um, and I was doing, you know, I was learning to fish and I got to where I was like, oh man, I'm getting the hang of this. Let yeah. me get a fish finder. And I got a Ray Marine uh, four inch screen. And all of a sudden I just spent half, like you said, half the day um, just looking at the screen and trying to figure out how it works, how to take more advantage of it. And it really can make you a worse angler in the sense that if you're one of those persons that are just learning to fish and are just getting your feet wet yeah. and getting those instincts of what to throw, when to throw it. And all of a sudden you're distracted by this um, technology. There's oh, yeah. no substitute for being, 
for for the instincts and knowledge that you acquire by putting your line in the water and figuring things out and being self-aware of what's going on around yeah. you. You know, w- w- looking at what a lot of times you'll see things that will tell you. I had somebody on my podcast a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember who he was, but said that is one thing he learned from his grandparents is like, if you pay attention, the water is going to tell you what's going to work and what's not. And it doesn't necessarily mean by the bite. It's just by looking at it. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to what's going on. You see a fish, a bluegill, then, and you're throwing a shad pattern. Take away shad pattern, throw a bluegill pattern, stuff like that. That's going to help yep, you yep. determine. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so gathering, although technology has its place and it has the potential to take you to the next level, it has to be used, incorporated into mm-hmm. your fishing and not take over your fishing. Yeah, yep, exactly. Sense. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, and a great example of that is, is that, I mean, we're all, we're all victim to it. Even, even, even at my, like we're, I have this much experience with the live scope. It still sometimes distracts me and I have to turn it off. And a prime example of that was the, one of the events that we did at, at, uh, at Decker Lake for cats. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I took off. I went the morning, I went to my spot, I'm fishing and, you know, we launched at six o'clock. At at about eight forty five, I already had, you know, almost two hours into the day. Three, I mean, almost more than two hours into the day, and I didn't have a fish. And I was trying to use my life scope. And I look over, and there's a guy coming, and he had just finished yelling and screaming and doing all kinds of stuff because he had just caught like a twenty five inch bass. And I was like, "Oh, there's nice. big bass." I look over, and I'm like, "Hey, man, how big was that?" And he's like. Oh, I was 20, like 25. He's like, yeah. And I was like, man, that's good, good, good catch, man. I thought anybody's going to catch you. And, I was, and then I, and I asked him because I looked over and I was like, man, he doesn't have any electronics on his, on his kayak. I was like, how many fish you got, man? And he's like, I'm four, man. I only need one more. And it's 845. And I got all this crazy <laughs> t- stuff on my boat. I don't have a single fish. And I, and that, that clue me in right away. That that right there told me this guy is beating the bank. He's running, just fishing the bank, no electronics, no nothing. I said, I, I immediately, I, I literally turned my unit off. I turned it off. I put everything up and I and I went around him and I started beating the bank. And uh man, I caught I think within two hours of doing that, I it was already like 10 or 11 o'clock. I already had caught two 20-inch fish. And it put me in contention to get in the top 10 that day at Decker. And it was all by turning off the freaking sonar, you know? Yeah, I think that, that Decker <laughs> tournament was, that was, I don't, if I remember correctly, that that was kind of like one for the books, right? It they like, the top two guys ended up going back and forth. They ended up like 104, yeah. 103, something like that, right? Yeah. That was an yeah, epic tournament. It was, it was. There were some big fish caught. Um, your usual people, I, I don't remember who took first and second on that one, but um, there, there was a, that was, it was that event that I was, uh, I was paying attention too much to my screen. And, and, but that day was windy, it was cloudy. So anytime you have those kind of conditions, uh, for me, my experience is I don't, sl- I don't want to slow down. I need yeah. a, I need to cover water. So um, that's a good point. that and that's exactly what that guy clued me in and kind of just refreshed things in my mind because I was trying to force things to happen where I was at. And when I looked over and I had this conversation, a quick conversation with the guy, I was like, man, this guy's catching him. And then I said, you know what? It's windy. It's cloudy. What am I doing? Turn off the electronics and go beat the bank. And sure enough, I mean, that got me plenty of fish within the next two hours. Yeah. But but. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. But but that's that's to your point there is, uh, you know, the electronics, man, if you don't uh, if you try to rely on them too much, uh, you'll miss those key moments of fish feeding or, you know, paying attention to what's going on around you. Yeah. And then there are times like um, on like, uh, you know, uh, on spawning season, you know, you, there may not if you're looking for a tournament to win mm-hmm. a tournament it may not work because. You can't, you know, they're responding what 
one feet six inches water and you're out there that's not life school's not going to help you on that one yeah but not, i don't think right now the technology is there so it, it has its place but again it's something like if, if you're going to get into it just be mindful that it's there is a learning curve just like with anything whenever you upgrade on a kayak upgrade on anything that's new that you're not familiar with it's yeah. gonna it's gonna change your game if, if, if down the what you hope is that down the road that investment will pay off But right. to think that it's going to pay off immediately, that doesn't always happen. No. Mm-mm. Nope. Well, Rolando, I've had you for uh, an hour almost, so I don't want to keep you up too much. I know it's it's a weekday, so I do really appreciate you taking time to join us at the podcast. It's an honor to have you on. And again, congratulations on your big win at uh, Belton Lake at the TKC. Um If you want to give out, I want to give you a few minutes to thank anybody you want to thank, sponsorships or family members, whoever you want to thank that helps you. On yeah, no, I mean, experiment. most importantly, my wife, man, she lets me fish. So that's that's number one on the list. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, I got a small little shop here in San Antonio, Texas, uh, which is um, uh, Outdoor Alphas. They, he, you know, he supplies me with a lot of equipment. I get a lot of stuff from him, and he sponsors me for a lot of these events. Um, and then the other guy, of course, man, is my, my, my workhorse right now. That's been my jerkbait rod, um, J, uh, Jared souls who, who, who runs, uh, J rods, custom and repairs. He, uh, custom builds rods and he built me that rod and a couple other ones that are coming all, along the way. So uh, definitely shout out to those guys. Um, so if anybody wants to get a custom rod build, uh, J rods, custom rods and repairs and, uh, and outdoor alphas here in San Antonio. They got some pretty unique baits there that are, you know, most of the time you have to order. You can't find them at Academy or Bass Pro Shops. So building up that little shop he is, and uh, it's going good, man. So if anybody wants to visit, it's there in San Antonio. There you go. So if you live in the San Antonio, if you're headed that way, go check him out. Yep. Well, Rolando, once again, com- uh, congratulations, and thank you so much for joining us. For those out there listening, if you made it this far, we do appreciate you tuning in. Go check out Douglas Rods. Go to douglasoutdoors.com. Huge sponsor of our podcast. So go check them out, douglasoutdoors.com. Their LRS lineup and their X-Matrix lineup. And uh, if you're listening today on Wednesday, Thursday, we have an episode from the uh, cat, the guys from Final Cast. I was actually a guest host, and we had one of the new sales managers for Douglas Rod talking about the new products that Douglas Rod is bringing out. So go check them out, Douglas uh douglasoutdoors.com so thank you again have a great day for your pfts uh thank you armando thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on paddle in fin don't forget to go check out our website at paddle the letter n in fin.com don't forget to check out the youtube channel at paddle and fin if you got a question comment want to hear from a future guest on a future episode feel free to email us at paddle the letter n in fin at gmail.com don't forget to follow us on social media at paddle and fin on facebook and instagram shout out to our show supporters angler the angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know, right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners. Every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.